Hey, everybody. Welcome to Season 3 of Fearless Women Podcast. Thanks for joining us weekly as we bring you inspiring true stories from around the world. I'm Janice McDonald, your host and global champion for women. For more great stories, pick up a copy of my beautiful best-selling book, Fearless, Girls with Dreams, Women with Vision. It's available everywhere. A big shout out to our listeners from all around the globe, including USA, UK, Canada, India, Denmark, and France. Hello. Love, love, love having you join us. I'm thinking about you and I hope you're doing all right out there. One thing the last two years has reminded us of is how important the arts are to our enjoyment of life and really our sanity. As the pandemic has lingered, we love escaping into movies. And so I am so excited to welcome a creative whirlwind and a triple threat to the show today. Woo! Stacy Gregg. Mm, I'm excited. She is an accomplished screenwriter, playwright, and director. And she's going to talk to us about her feature-length directorial debut called Here Before. It's a psychological thriller starring Andrea Riseborough coming out in February 22. It's a Rook's Nest and BBC film. We have so much to talk about. Welcome to the show, Stacey Gregg. Oh, what an intro. Lovely. <laughs> <laughs> lovely, lovely, lovely. Well, first of all, congratulations on the release of your movie. This is so exciting. It's such a huge accomplishment. There's so much I want to, you know, hear about. Tell us about some of the twists and turns you faced in your shooting schedule, the location in Northern Ireland, and the other practical realities of filming your first feature length film. Sure. I mean, I guess in the first instance, there's not that many genre films. It's changing now, but there weren't that many films coming out of Northern Ireland. So convincing financiers that the film was a Northern Irish film rather than setting it somewhere like London or, you know, somewhere else. Initially, that was that was a hurdle. Once we got our finance together, then it, it sort of moved really quickly. We had not a massive budget and a very tight schedule. And on top of that, we were shooting in the winter. So we had really, really up against daylight hours. It was getting dark about half three in the afternoon. And then we had child hours as well. So restrictions on our young actors, which made it really difficult. And then also road restrictions. It's a funny little thing about Northern Ireland, but um, getting road restrictions so we, sh we could shoot some of those car scenes, that was also really challenging. So a lot of those were happening live in, you know, in the process of late prep right into the shoot. So you really just had to be ready to deal with every day as it came, <laughs> which it turns out I really thrive on. And, you know, we were we were really lucky to have a really game cast. And, you know, my my collaborators, my my heads of department, I feel like, uh, you know, everybody was sort of on the same page. Uh, it was also very cold, by the way, because we were sh we were shooting in December, and it was it was super chilly. So keeping the kids warm was a really practical consideration. By and large, I think we had a fairly smooth shoot, you know, with a few few hair raising days. And then once we'd wrapped, I was in post, and um, lockdown happened, COVID happened, so suddenly there was a massive hiatus, and you know, it was a real curveball, um, and I was very much having to learn how to create a workflow remotely from my my tiny office that wasn't even painted. I was just looking at four concrete walls on my laptop. 
so that was a real learning process um mm-hmm. uh, and again you just be grateful for the for the solidarity in the community that was felt at that time because you know filmmakers were calling each other and saying you know oh hey did you have you done ADR entirely remotely then you know how was that so you know a number of those conversations were happening and and luckily we find our way through now say more about the role of collaboration, not only on this, you know, important project, your first directorial debut, like, you know, this is exciting, but even beyond that in your career, you've referenced talking to other filmmakers, et cetera. How important is the role of collaboration? It's key. It's fundamental. And I think that I've always, I mean, it might be, it sounds a little cliche now, but sort of not very hierarchical. So I, coming from a theatre background as well, I like, I like what, what we call like a flat room where everyone's opinion is, is of use and of value. You know, I feel like most art is enriched by refraction through creative minds. So obviously as the director, it's, you know, it, yours is the central vision and you're steering the boat, but every collision and every conversation along the way feeds into that process. So you know, choosing your collaborators and also enabling them to give their best and to feel heard. All of those things I think are incredibly important to the way that I approach filmmaking. So we know how important it is to, as you've indicated, you know, kind of tap into the the creative um, creativity that's in the room. Certainly you as the director, as you've indicated as well, you've got that vision. What about communicating with clarity though? Tell us more about that. I think that's in preparation. You know, on one hand, there's the real adrenaline of not knowing what you're going to be faced with every day and having, I I love being prepared to change at the last minute. If you, you know, me and my DP were very open to turning over if we saw something that we didn't expect, you know, and scooping up, you know, what people in the industry call GVs, but what actually became really important texture to the film. Or if I'm shooting and something doesn't feel like it's quite giving or maybe it wants to give more, being able to roll again and let the scene breathe, as I call it, which means allowing actors to explore a little bit. So it's sort of on the way to improvisation, a lot of which find its way into the film. So there's there's been alive to that. But on the on the other extreme, there's just loads of prep, you know, prep. You can't be over prepped, you know, what I mean, because at the end of the day, you can throw <laughs> right. it all away. But, you know, we did a sizzle reel, you know, we did a we did a mood board. I'm very like a magpie. I collect lots of influences. I'm always sort of browsing, you know, visual art, poetry, anything really in order to try and communicate most fully and most clearly the vision. And some people communicate in different ways. I had an HOD who just he doesn't say very much. (laughs) And so, you, you know, you work out on what level you communicate, you know, what brings out the best in people. Whereas, you know, Chloe, my DP, we we very quickly just realised that we seem to speak the same language. And so we just covered our, you know, covered our office wall in imagery that we loved and might find its way into the film. So I think there's something about tailoring that. And then also working with young people, you know, and young people who maybe haven't had a lot of experience in the industry and just treating them with an openness and a respect again, just to get them to the place where they can give their best performance. So I think it's really, it's really relative to who you're talking to and what you want to get out of that relationship. That ability to kind of tap into what's needed in that moment from whomever you're working with is, yeah, that's incredible. But aside from that, you're also known 
for having an incredible work ethic. So here you are a director, but you've also been a playwright and you're a screenwriter. So what advice might you have for those who want to follow their dreams into the industry? How can you lead the charge for those that say, <laughs> I, I want to do what she's doing? I mean, again, it's it's really tough to generalize because we are all such different people. For me, kindness, oh, it sounds really hackneyed, but kindness by which I mean like these relationships when you set out that you start to build, you know, took me, you know, maybe I was 10 years in the industry as a writer before I was in writer's rooms that felt like they were filled with my people. Or, you know, it felt like I had the relationships with people where I'd started, we'd started out together and then we were in positions to work together finally, you know, and that's so exciting, but it takes time and you only have one reputation and you never want to give that away or compromise it. And that's really hard, especially when you're starting out to hold your nerve and to make good choices choices in good faith. And I say choices, again, that becomes more of a privilege, you know, as you as you get more experience. I'm aware of how hard that is. But certainly when you're starting out, I just think that kind of integrity and, you know, show your taste from the get-go. Um, and those things will really stand you in good stead down the line. So take us back to your younger self, because, you know, these are... Um your values are so clear. And when you speak, where did you grow up? What are some of the lessons you learned from that upbringing that, you know, have gone on to shape your worldview to have you so rooted in your values and integrity and, and, you know, thinking about reputation, et cetera. It's always so funny to talk about yourself, but I'm still getting used to it. I grew up in a very working class family in Belfast and you know, I didn't come from an artsy background or a professional background. I was also queer and knew from quite a young age. And I think that it sounds almost a bit like a cliche to say it, but I think that's that outsider's perspective or feeling like I was always seeing things a bit sideways. It very early on makes you very, I think, quite empathic, you know, and you're always seeking to connect with people and find things in common. But I also knew that I needed to go away. And I didn't know if I was going to come back and sort of laterally in my life reconciling those things. So, I mean, I don't know quite how those things connect directly to the filmmaker I am, except that I guess seeing coming at things sideways, valuing voices that sometimes have been on the margins, understanding that solidarity is very important and we need to raise everyone up, not just ourselves or causes that feel like they only directly affect us. And in a very homely way, my parents really kept my feet on the ground, you know, like I always joke, like my mom was always like, you're not special. And, and actually that was really useful advice. <laughs> I say that because that's a very Northern Irish sense of humor, but what she meant is like, don't center yourself too much. Do you know what I mean? Don't take anything too seriously. And I guess I've taken those quite salty values into into adulthood and so I I think with filmmaking I just feel I recognize the privilege it is to be in this industry every day and so I'm determined to enjoy it and that doesn't mean that it's not hard work it doesn't mean that you have you don't have very difficult days and difficult relationships but it just feels so important to celebrate you know what you're doing and the people you're working with sounds like you have a big tent and you make room for a lot of people in your tent, Stacey. That's the hope. <laughs> so, you know, you've got this practical advice from your mom that has been very helpful. What's something else you wish 
you knew earlier, aside from how relevant your mom's advice yeah. is? <laughs> It is kind of related in the sense that like, you know, I had no concept growing up that I could that I could make movies it, like, mm. you know, in the background I was from it just absolutely it just wasn't even on the radar. And, you know, as you go on, I got I was the first one to go to university and I knew I was bright, but I arrived at university and I was surrounded by people who had a sort of entitlement. You know, I'm going to be a playwright. I'm going to be a filmmaker or whatever. And at the time, I didn't have that. And I think as I went on and I went into the industry, there was a real process of learning that a lot of people can talk the talk and walk the walk. But really what matters is, again, that integrity and that passion for storytelling. And I'm quite keen on demystifying the industry to an extent, especially around directors, you know, because there's been these sort of mythologies of like geniuses, you know, and people yeah. who were destined, you know, and mm-hmm. all right, fine. <laughs> but, but there are lots of brilliant, brilliant artists and visionaries. And you need to sort of clear the way as well. And again, as I say, sort of raise each other up. And it can be done. I, I, and I think with the right supporters around you and you know, the right conditions. That's something that that's again, that's something where I see the industry starting to change in a way that's really positive and relatively recent, but I definitely feel the change. So as we mentioned, this is a Rook's Nest and BBC film. What do you want to tell people about this beautiful piece of work, this exciting, scary, psychological thriller? You know, it it pushes, it pulls. It's like, what do you want us to, you know, people that don't know anything about it yet, Stacey, what, what do you want to tell us about it? If you love cinema, I think go along for the ride. I think it's a film that I think it's it's certainly an experience. I think it's, you know, it's evocative. And I <laughs> I, I just want people to enjoy to enjoy it. And, and it, you know, it, it's a thoughtful film as well. Yes, it uses genre elements and there are some thrills and twists. But I think there's a real, you know, there's an honesty to the portrayals of, of those characters and the situation that they're in. And so I, you know, I hope people will get more from it than, you know, than they might expect. Ooh. It has been such a pleasure speaking with you, Stacey, Greg, about your incredible directorial debut. Final question. What's your dream, Stacey, Greg, for the world? Oh, it's so big. Mm-hmm. What's my dream for the world? I am excited about moving into a time when we have more room for all and we are just generally more thoughtful about each other. And that's not just limited to the industry, but I think just just wider culturally. I feel like we are moving into a time that is just a bit more nuanced. I'm very interested in the grey areas and I feel like hopefully we're coming back around to a time when our general sort of ability <laughs> to speak in the gray areas uh, is, is improving. So that's not the most succinct dream, is it? <laughs> it's, it's a big, beautiful dream that again, makes room for all kinds of voices. And we're so grateful that you're telling the stories that you're telling. You have been listening to Stacy Gregg. The movie that is just coming out is called Here Before. It's a Rook's Nest BBC film. You have to watch this. And how lucky are we that we've had the opportunity to hear from Stacey Gregg, the remarkable director. Thank you again for joining us today 
on the Fearless Women podcast, Stacey. And we can't wait to have you back to hear more about what you're working on. Thank you so much. Really lovely to chat. Thank you for having me. Thank you again. Thanks for listening. We want our community to grow. Tell your friends, follow us on Instagram and sign up for our newsletter at fearlesswomenpodcast.com to get the early scoop. Thanks again to our amazing sponsors, BDC, Lockheed Martin, and Export Development Canada. Subscribe in Apple Podcasts or in your favorite app. And if you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating. I'm Janice McDonald. Stay fearless. Thank you to Export Development Canada, the international risk experts, for your support of the Fearless Women podcast. Supporting Canadian companies of all sizes succeed on the world stage. EDC takes your worries away and helps you grow your business with confidence. When your business has no borders, neither does your potential. Find out more at edc.ca slash women in trade. Thank you to BDC, the bank devoted exclusively to entrepreneurs for your support of the Fearless Women podcast. We love smart companies that want to amplify women's voices. For more information, go to bdc.ca slash women.